0: Hello, hello, everyone. You are now tuning in to Frida's World Podcast, a platform where women of color can have open, honest, and candid discussions about our experiences being professional women in this 21st century. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host, CEO, and founder of Frida Women NYC, a fashion brand that sets out to motivate and instill confidence in professional women through the use of fashion accessories. So if you're looking for ways to enrich your life, enhance your personal skills, or hell, if you're looking to just have a good laugh, grab a big glass of something and join on in. This week's freedom Woman of the Week is Winnie Mandela. Winnie Mandela was a South African anti-apartheid activist and politician and the ex-wife of Nelson Mandela. She served as a member of parliament from 1994 until her death and was a deputy minister from 1994 to 1996. A member of the African National Congress, ANC, political party, she served on the ANC's National Executive Committee and headed its Women's League. Mandela was known to her supporters as the mother of the nation. We are truly saddened here at Frida by the news of the passing of Winnie Mandela, who died at the age of 81 and passed um, on April 2nd, 2018, which was just a few days ago. Winnie Mandela was an inspiration to all. She was a freedom fighter. She was a revolutionary. She was at the heart of the anti-apartheid struggle, and she wasn't. She wasn't just somebody that was sitting in the back. Like she really, really was part of the anti-apartheid struggle. And I think that when you think of South Africa and when you think of apartheid, you you not only see Nelson Mandela, but you see Winnie Mandela. We definitely. Um, we're saddened by the news, yes, but we should we should see this as an inspiration. With everything going on in South Africa today and with everything going on in the world today, um, we as a people really need to take up arms and follow in the footsteps of these revolutionaries who have since passed, but is in a sense past the baton, has showed us the way there's no excuse for us not to continue to fight for our freedom to be able to um and to stay silent we have so many examples um before us who have been trailblazers innovators and who have since taught us who have who have in a sense used their life to teach us to teach the next generation on how to move forward and how to continue the fight so we hope that um Winnie's death was not in vain and that we truly, truly continue um, to pick up where she left off. All right. So I am here with my colleague and my new friend, (laughs) Bessa Sanchez. Hello. <laughs> I just wanted to always say Sanchez like that cuz you know people say Sanchez, Besabe, you know?
1: Yes. <laughs> I-, I like the Latino flavor. <laughs>
0: I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm really trying. So, thank you Besabe for being a guest on today's episode. We are on I think episode 8 right now. Hopefully you'll be following soon.
1: I will be. I certainly will be. My pleasure We're to be very, here. We're very, very
0: candid on here. This is not, like, rigid or anything. Like, you know, sometimes we accidentally curse and say things. and. That's perfect. Yes, yes. So <laughs> feel free to just be yourself. So today's conversation is centered around this Afro-Latina thing, right? So, bed to bed, you identify as being an Afro-Latina, right?
1: I do, indeed. And where
0: exactly are you from, Besabe?
1: The Dominican Republic. Okay, the
0: DR, my neighbor.
1: Yes. Oh, my God, we are neighbors. <laughs> yes, we are neighbors. <laughs> we share an island.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because um I follow ratchet television here and there. I don't really watch love and hip-hop um the way most people do like i kind of get the the clips on like instagram and if something really really moves me on the weekends maybe i might binge on it but love and hip hop is basically one of those vh1 um, shows that in the beginning it was really talking about love and hip-hop. So it would talk about, you know, hip-hop and then it'd be hip-hop artists and then there would be people in relationships and there'd be real love. Mm. I'm not really sure what's going on right now. It's still entertaining. <laughs> but they have different ones. They started off with like New York, then they had Atlanta, mm. then they had uh, L.A. Now they have Miami. So there's a um, a... Uh, not not a character. I don't say character, <laughs> but there is there's an individual on the Love and Hip Hop Miami season called Amara La Negra.
1: I've heard of her.
0: Yes, you remember there was one day we were at I
1: was at the job and I was like, Hey,
0: do you know what Amara La Negra? Because there was this whole thing.
1: Yes, you introduced me to Amara yes. La Negra. Yes, <laughs>
0: and it's funny because I I love what she stands for and. To be honest i think she's the at least for me in, in this generation the first um woman who's afro latina who's actually come out and not just said she's afro latina but is really like making um you know a point to explain what afro latina is and that they should be respected right yeah so it kind of opens up um Discussion because we we I can understand the Afro Latina movement and how it could you know affect an individual in in the media right because you're out there you know in terms of models singers actresses whatever um, not falling into like that cookie cutter Latina look mm. I can see how that could be detrimental right mm. but I I'm o- also interested though in understanding how a um, you know a professional in you know whether it be law whether it be you know in medicine or whatever how an individual like who's not in the media who identifies as Afro-Latina like how does that affect their career path how, how that has affected their career path so as my I actually have one other friend who's Afro-Latina and identifies but as the person I have here today mm-hmm. my colleague like what what exactly does Afro-Latina mean to you because it's, it's been thrown out there some people think it's a gimmick like what exactly does that mean to you
1: To me, it means Latinos, Spanish speaking people, or formerly colonized. Spanish-speaking people of African descent, and there are actually more Afro-Latinos than Afro-Latinos who self-identify. Um, another term I've heard is Blatina, oh. <laughs> which is a Black Latina. I think they have a website too. It's I remember it was one of the first few times uh, I had seen a platform where they were in, where people were encouraged to ide- who where Latinos were encouraged to identify as Black because. Because they are, <laughs> and um, and so "blatina" was the first word that I'd heard, and now "Afro Latino." And the only issue I think some Latinos have, what many Latinos have with Afro Latino, is now there's this weird thing between being an Afro Latino and a we and a just a so-called regular Latino. So Afro Latinos tend to look black. They look as you know, they look. They can be from anywhere: uh, Panama, Colombia, Cuba, Dominican Republic, and they are. you know spanish-speaking africans um or at a minimum descendants of africans they look black they are black they don't have they don't look like jennifer lopez um and (laughs) although we
0: love you j-lo yeah no
1: (laughs) surely no doubt and (laughs) and um and and celia cruz was one of the i
0: love celia
1: first people that i heard of in my early life, who was Afro-Latino. And I don't know if that term existed back then, but she was very proud and strong in a way that I had never seen until now with uh, Amarada Negra. Yeah, I, I think she
0: used to uh, identify as Afro-Cuban. Okay. So, yeah. but I never... at I love Celia Cruz. Like, I love her, love her, love her. But I never heard, like, Afro-Latina during the time when she was reigning, right? right. But I always heard her identify as Afro-Cuban. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like, I never remember it being a thing, though, right? right. It was like, still oh, okay, she's Afro-Cuban.
1: Yeah. And she's still in entertainment, so it has its, like, mm-hmm. a, a somewhat limited use.
0: So... The whole Afro-Latina thing, I think colorism has the, is is kind of where the, where the real issue is, right? And I find that when you're not black, um, so when you're white, <laughs> you might not understand the effects of colorism in general, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes they don't understand, you know, light skin versus dark skin. Right. But I find that within the Latin community, like, so you're not only of- overcoming um, colorism, in or, or racism in a sense because of your skin color with, you know, the colonizers, right? Mm-hmm. With the white people, you're also kind of overcoming it a second time within your own Latin community because there's this interesting division between Afro-Black Latinos and what you call regular Latinos, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, how was your experience growing up and getting to where you are now identifying as an Afro-Latina? Or have you, have you always identified as an Afro-Latina?
1: That is a very good question, because I had not always identified as an Afro-Latina. Uh, I knew I was black in the sense that I was as dark as my father. Um, but, you know, that consciousness wasn't really available to me when I was very young. And in addition to that, uh, when my parents immigrated it immigrated to the U.S., um, not my parents so much, but other family members made it clear to me that I was not to identify as black American, that I was Dominican. And Dominican and black somehow were distinct, um, particularly black American. So um, I did that for a bunch of years in, uh, let's say, elementary school for most of my life there. And I experienced a lot of bullying and rejection by African-American kids my age because I spoke Spanish and my hair was different. Uh, However it is, it's not sufficiently different (laughs) that it would make me look less black. But at any rate, um, I later came to identify, I think, around middle school, fairly late, when I realized that all the boxes I had to check off were black or Hispanic non-black That was a category. So I had to check off black, and that made me feel weird um, because I wasn't sure what that meant, what it meant. Um, And then as I became involved in civil rights, I immediately thought, this is ridiculous. Of course I'm black. I look no different than anybody else. And my mother has always been really supportive of that. And so when I discovered Latinas and Afro-Latinos, I... um, I really took to it because it made my experience so much harder. I couldn't have Latino friends because I was too black for them. I had a whole group of like Hondure- uh, Hondurans and Dominicans and Puerto Ricans in Connecticut where I was living um, that I was very close with. And they couldn't bring me home, for example, because I was black. Interesting. hmm Now, let's fast forward
0: into, you know, your college years, grad school and, you know, embarking on this legal terrain. Do you feel like identifying as an Afro-Latina? If 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 there was any impact at all that you felt uh, moving towards your you know your professional career,
1: yes, one of the things that st- stands out for me, one of the experiences, is in law school. I had joined the Black Law Students Association and the Latino Students Association, and Latino Law Students Association, and the Black Law Students Association didn't want to accept my membership because they said I wasn't black. What? I expected the opposite to happen. I expected the Latinos to... I wanted them. I was defiant. I am a member. Um, and so they held some kind of a hearing, and they just voted, and they let me in. I was so offended <laughs> and upset of and distraught, yeah, just to become a member. Um, in my professional life, it um, it's challenging in larger ways than I probably can articulate at the moment, but in summary, I can say that... Um, in some ways, it makes some things easier. I have access to, for us, a lot of Latino Span- monolingual Spanish speakers that I can work with, and that's not a problem. But. Um Even they want, sometimes want a regular looking Latino lawyer, not what they see as a black person impersonating a Latino. (laughs) That's true. I know.
0: It's funny though, because I feel like I can see what it is that you're saying. (laughs) Because, you know, not exactly the same experience, but I've had Spanish speaking individuals who, they didn't know whether I spoke Spanish or not, but they knew I was their representative Mm -hmm. who I felt were kind of like, Right. Is there somebody else that can help me? Right. So, right. so, and it's, interestingly enough, though, I feel like, so, you know, being Haitian American, it's, you know, I kind of grew up with that whole, like, even though I was black and I always knew I was black and I was Haitian, but that, that whole, like, you know, you're not black American thing. So that, I grew up with that as well, too, mm-hmm. but I find that for a lot of Black people, self-identifying Black people who are not, you know, who do not have Spanish, you know, heritage or anything like that. We always found that a lot of times the most racist individuals toward us were those who were Spanish or Latinos or whatever. The it's case true. Is. So I could only imagine <laughs> you being Latina. Having to maneuver yourself within this culture, this environment, and still being Black at the same time, like what that, you know, what that experience was like.
1: It's um it's certainly challenging. I feel that most of the racism and colorism that I experience is within the Latino community. And Dominicans, I hate to say this about my own people, but tend to be the worst. Uh, they they have a whole color caste system on the island. And mm-hmm. everyone who is Black identifies as Indio because anything is better than being Black. And so um, in Latino world, they have the same color caste system as many of the other islands. And um, that is very prevalent. It would have been nice if I were either lighter or had straighter hair or had mm-hmm. something that made me look less negra than mm-hmm. I am. And um, there is a, you know, thanks in no small part to Amarala Negra, a growing movement. You know, so there's no longer the pressure to straighten my hair or, you know, do look more white as there was for most of my life. I think I took back my hair in around my college years. Oh, and I just like that. You started, took back your hair. Yes. And started not straightening. I had braids and now it's natural. And, you know, my grandmother, I vividly remember, was like, why are you doing this to your hair? Why don't you straighten your hair? You know, what are you doing? Why are you looking so black? Like essentially. And, you know, she's better now. I think she kind of gets it. But uh, at the time, it was really, really, really tough. And uh, conforming in our professional lives to uh, these standards makes it— I don't conform as a exclusively as a Black American, nor do I as a Latino. And so um, I think some employers and, you know, some of our colleagues on the other side, by which I mean employee representatives— often don't know how to, they can't figure out how to negotiate me. They can't pin me in a box. Mm -hmm. They can't really say anything other than she looks black and she's black. But they're somehow um, confused by the idea that I'm also Latino.
0: (laughs) Now, one thing I can say, so with Amara La Negra, you know, a lot of times when I see these like celebrity pushes, right, I'm usually a bit Fearful is to the longevity of these movements, right? Because, you know, it's a celebrity that's pushing this. And it's like, where where's the community, you know, oh. in all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to, you know, anything celebrity, anything TV-ish, there's always the fear that, like, you know, once the season's over, you're not going to hear about this anymore, right? I do see that she's doing a, a, a good job of, you know, getting into all these different, you know um magazines and newspapers and really going in and like making sure like making sure that people know that you know Latinas come in all shapes sizes you know colors and everything you know all sorts of hair types Afro non-Afro whatever mm-hmm. but I feel like you know, she can't do this alone, right? It can't just be, you know, I'm a loving hip hop star. And there's another one too, Juju. I think her name is Juliet, but she's Mm Afro-Cuban. So she identifies as Afro-Latina too. She's also on the same show. So I feel like it's great that we have these celebrities who are out there pushing it forward. But I feel like I would love to see the community, especially the group of professionals that are out here who identify as Afro-Latinas also kind of like you know, moving forward what Amara and Juju and some of these other individuals are doing. And I feel like I would also like to see the non-self-identifying Afro-Latinas, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like the Latinas like, you know, Sofia Vergara, Shakira, whatever, that come from, especially Shakira who comes from-
1: Colombia. Um, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's like, you know, there's that, you know, I think she had several music videos in the past where you see Afro-Latinas in her videos, right? right? Yeah. And her dancing, her song style, like that's Afro-influence. It is. not, you know, European influence. So I would love to see like people like that, you know, like Mm J-Lo, these individuals, you know, kind of like, you know, um, holding hands in a sense with like Amara and Juju and some of these other individuals who are kind of like... Hey guys, like let's change the landscape. Let's change the conversation. You know, Latina does not mean you know blonde hair, light skin. It can also mean somebody who's you know very very dark skin that you know is black, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, like in terms of you know an activist as you are, mm-hmm. right, in in your profession and and whatnot. Like, what I what do you think? I mean, you as an individual, what do you think the community could do in a sense to kind of like make sure that this Afro-Latina is not some sort of like gimmick or fad that kind of comes and goes?
1: There are many things that the community can do. I think, as you correctly noted, that the predominant view of Latinos, the white Latinos or the so-called regular Latinos, (laughs) do need to band together and show support and um, uh, convey in some form, whether it's through their videos, their art or their profession, that this is all part of the same culture and group of people and that would be wonderful the other thing I think that helps because being Afro-Latino is in my opinion easier for men than it is for women mm-hmm. and in sports everybody knows who you know Sammy Sosa oh, yeah. is or Big Poppy. and and so <laughs> that in that respect they they're like oh you know that's what an Afro-Latino looks like they all know he's Dominican and they all see clearly that he's black mm-hmm. and so they get it right away but for women it's always, there's always been the pressure, and I, and I understand that this goes across culture as well in India and Africa and, and Asia, uh, other parts of Asia, um, and as well as the Caribbean, where the women are expected to be lighter. It's okay to have oh, a yeah. dark man, but you can't be a dark woman. And so I think recognizing that. Would be useful that it a there is the burden is on women to have to be out there and everyone we named is a woman. But I like to see the Sammy Sosa's of the world and the well, he's too busy getting his skin light. Yeah, and no, the bleaching is but crazy. The big poppies of the world, <laughs> you know, support the uh the movement towards recognition of African heritage in the Latino culture. And that really needs to start happening by disavowing notions that blackness has nothing to do with ness And that's deeply ingrained. Mm-hmm. in the culture, partly from being colonized by a you know, European, mostly white mm-hmm. uh, country, but also because we have created institutional beliefs that support the idea that if you're Latino, you're really not black, and we've got to do a better job of eradicating that. We need to be better at uh, you know saying you don't have to straighten your hair, which is growing, mm-hmm. and also reducing reliance on lightening creams and uh, really having a dialogue about it because we we discriminate against each other even Mm -hmm. within our own communities by uh, on the basis of the darkness of your skin and i think if we were more supportive uh and wrecking i guess the short version is we need to embrace african culture Mm -hmm. and that's there's a strong resistance to do that as particularly with you know in Dominican Republic,
0: but I find you know what I find interesting about that is that there's a resistance to accept the them as the of like the individual as as somebody who has African descent right like mm. some Dominican there's a resistance for me to say, you know, I'm Afro-Latina or I'm Black. Like, I have I have friends who are my complexion mm-hmm. who straight up are like, oh, I'm not Black, I'm Spanish.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's what they say, right? Does that make you laugh a little bit? Come it, on. Does make, it does <laughs> make <laughs> me like, laugh. Because I'm like, you can't
0: be my complexion talking about you're not Black, you're Spanish. Because <laughs> um, Spanish is not a, a race, right? Right, right? It's a language. Mostly. Um, <laughs> but I find that there's resistance in self-identifying as Afro, as Afro-anything. But yet, when it comes to the food, When it comes to the culture, when it comes to the music, when it comes to using the N word, I don't know how many Latinas, Latinos who are like white bright and they're just like, yo, you know, my, my this, my that, my that. And it's like, you can't, you know what I mean? Like the, the pop culture, the, the, the black culture, the Afro culture, like salsa, merengue, bachata, like all those, like, you know, you know, musics and all this, like all the culture, like they're, they're so willing to you know to dance the the african dances to listen to the drums but don't you dare call them black isn't that the truth and it's so like for me it's a bit like it's a bit it's sad but i i understand it to an extent only because i'm haitian and i understand what colorism does to you know a, a community society right because we have the mulattos. It's devastating. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where it's kind of like I get it. You know, even in the in our country today, like we're still kind of like the mulattoes are the ones with the power. As Haitian, you know, girls growing up again, if you're light, decent hair, you're you're considered very very beautiful. Right. As opposed to oh you know you're cute but you're dark you know so we All so I time. understand that. It's just, but it's interesting though. um, This whole like, you know, I found the Afro Latina movement to be very interesting. But I also find that it's um, there's another aspect of it. So, so Haiti, apparently, you know, Haiti's in the island of Española. So we're considered. We've always been considered a Latin American country, but Haiti's always been Haiti. We're like, we are who we are. (laughs) We're not really West Indian. We're not Latina, Latina, whatever. (laughs) But you know, you have a lot of um, so Haiti, and I think either Martinique or Guadeloupe is considered like Afro-Latina as well. So I've started to see some Haitians actually identify as Afro-Latina. But I feel like at some point that gets a little bit dangerous and confusing because now is it taking away from... The work that's being done to identify Hispanic people Mm. or people of Spanish descent that is fighting for their, you know, the uh, trying to get an equilibrium right Mm. within their own movement. Now, if we start saying, you know, Jamaica is also Afro Latina, like at some point, it's like, how do we contain it so it doesn't get out of hand?
1: I don't think we can, and I'm not sure that we should necessarily, because Afro-Cube, you know, in the U.S., we limit our understanding of Africanness and Blackness to the experience only on this land. But the other Caribbean islands have had the same subjugation, colonization, and color caste system Mm -hmm. implemented by the colonizers um, as any other island. And if the only distinction is the language spoken, it's not really strong enough to say you're not Afro-Latino mm-hmm. but I do recognize that Afro-Latinos uniquely speak to or mostly speak to uh Spanish speaking uh people mm-hmm. who are black or of African descent and I recognize that in you know Trinidad Guyana these are people who don't speak Spanish and have a, a different
0: but they have colonial spanish history though,
1: too, and though. they have spanish influence. Especially I'm Trinidad. not that. Really, I'm not really opposed to it at all. I I I think the more people we fit into that category, the easier it will be for us to, to recognize, yeah, that it's not it's not there's not three of us. There's like millions of us.
0: <laughs> I do think it's important. Um I mean, I am happy that you know we have the celebrities out there that are making this a big thing. Um and I hope that it it just be it, it doesn't just, you know, turn out to be like a phallic or a phase. Because I feel like, you know, the young generation, right? The younger girls especially who are, you know, growing up in this society who might be self-conscious about their skin color and about their hair texture, who who identify, who come from Latina, Latino communities, I think it's important for them to see role models, not just in the celebrity. And that's why I think it's important to have Community people yeah. from the community professionals um, step out and speak out. It can't just be the media, right? Because we we don't want all these girls to to become, you know, dancers and actresses. Like we need to let the little Latina Afro Latina girls know that they can also be lawyers. They could be doctors. And that there's Afro Latina lawyers mm-hmm. such as Be Sabé, mm-hmm. um that's out there. That's you know doing really well and like can actually serve as a real example for them. And so. I think to end this, I want to ask you, what would you say to your, hmm, 15-year-old self? Like, what, like, look look, in, look into, I don't have a mirror here. Mm-hmm. Look at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at being, you know, being Afro-Latina, knowing the struggles and, you know, the journey that you went through to get to where you are now, um What would you tell your 15-year-old self who was a little Afro-Latina girl who was still trying to figure out, you know, who she was and and self-acceptance, still perming her hair and whatnot? Like, what Mm -hmm. would you tell little 15-year-old Bessabe?
1: Wow, Rita, that is an excellent question. Um, I would tell 15-year-old Bessabe that um, you must... Ignore the messages that are being told to you about what you look like and what you can do and the color of your skin and the texture of your hair. Because the predominant message from the culture here to the culture in the Dominican Republic is a lot of negative messaging. And you have to ignore that and uh, assume that. You are the same as everybody else in terms of qualifications. I don't know what to say to the girl in the mirror who keeps thinking the 15 year old me who keeps thinking, "Well, I've never, you know, I've I have never met another Afro Latina lawyer, and I didn't think I I I honestly didn't think I was going to be a lawyer because I hadn't seen anyone like me be a lawyer, Um, and so I guess part of that part of the advice to 15 year old me would be, um, rec- call yourself, you are a Latina. That's what, you know, they can put Afro in front of Yo it or not. Latina. At the end of the day, you're still <laughs> Latina. And if they don't look like you, that doesn't take away um, from the gift of you. And um, yeah, it gets lonely out there. And that's just what it is to be,
0: you know, in the
1: intersection of cultures and race. And I wish i could say something more um sort of soothing because my 15 year old self was highly anxious about that <laughs> and <laughs> i want to say it's great it's going to be fine it's okay but instead i think the wisest thing to say is ignore the messaging and focus on the common things because that's all you can do and for the most part a lot of the interaction is going to involve educating others mm-hmm. about about that
0: yeah educating i think that's i think that's that's really key, like educating people that you can be black and speak Spanish. You can be black and Spanish.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, I'm
0: tired of hearing, I'm not black, I'm Spanish. Ugh. I'm tired of hearing that. It, it, you know, it's, it's not even like, and sometimes you're like, oh, because you're a hater. I'm a hater. What does I have to do with it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Right. Like, are you Please. kidding me? Right. Like, really, let, let's be realistic here. Right. But um, I think that that's definitely key. Education for the for the adults, you know, for abuela yeah
1: for sure (laughs) did
0: not you know who now it's like you know it's hard to you know teach old dogs new tricks old cats new tricks whatever you want to call them but i think you know it you know educating educating people at all levels right so not just educating the 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 youth or, or the young people but educating our parents educating our grandparents and letting them know like and then i think having honest conversations like listen like when I was younger and you used to tell me that I'm, you know, pretty for a dark skinned girl, like that hurt, yeah. you know, that's not cool. Like it's right. not, you know, look at me now, thank God I grew up and I was able to become my own person, but you really did hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having these honest conversations with our family members who are usually like, you know, the first, <laughs> the first aggressors, Yeah. Um, I think definitely will help, you know, moving forward yeah. um, in the future. Yeah. So thank you so much. My Bits pleasure, seven, Rita. For being <laughs> on this podcast and talking about a really important um, subject. I feel like it's 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 out there, right? It's out there. Everybody's talking about it, but it's from a media lens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not from like the on the ground, right. you know, regular people lens, right? right. Um, so it's, I, you know, I just thought it was important to kind of like have that conversation. And you were, of course, the best person to <laughs> have this conversation with. Thank you. As you are so
1: articulate. <laughs> thank you. You. I don't get and,
0: that a lot. And you know, well, no, ah. <laughs> really. <laughs> but yeah, and you're Dominican, and you know, and you're black, just like me, and your hair mm. is just as kinky as mine. Yes, it so is. you know, I think, and I remember the first time I saw you too. I'm like, best of it, Sanchez. And I was like, what? Because again, I'm not. I I, 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 I identify Afro Latinas. They just don't identify themselves. It's often the case, <laughs> isn't that right? So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was definitely a pleasure having you on today, and. Basically, that's a wrap for episode eight. Um, Everyone, please follow, subscribe, like, share. Uh, Frida's World Podcast, we're on Apple, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Best of it, do you have SoundCloud? You're going to download it tonight. And I thank you. will. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks, and pleasure.
0: also follow us on social media. Our handle is Frida, F R E E D A Women NYC, and we are on Facebook, Twitter, and instagram and last but not least go on to our website nyc to check out our weekly blogs and our accessories and best of is wearing one of our accessories today a brooch, i love
1: it it's lovely a
0: nice little brooch so definitely go on and shop and that's a wrap see you guys next week
1: thank you rita yeah.